star of the season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a break. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Sorry for the delay. Of course, life gets in the way sometimes, and sometimes you just got to take care of life. But uh, we're back, and we're better than ever. And uh, today I am joined by Mr. Colin Decker. He is one of the co-founders of Campus to Canton. Uh, he does the Campus and the Canton Life Podcast uh, every week as well. Sometimes you'll find him on the Debbie Debate every once in a blue moon as well. And he's also a man behind the scenes that uh, you know helps me out with spreadsheets and God knows what. So, Colin, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Um, stoked to be on here. Uh, I love talking some future freshmen, little uh, little Penn State, you know, too. Yeah. Yep. The and that's the reason why I have Colin on is he's my uh, my Penn State guy. And uh, you know, the name of the the episode is called Stacking the Deck. Er, but I wanted to make sure that. <laughs> When we're talking about stacking the deck, especially with that's what Penn State is doing, that's what uh, I kind of wanted to bring to the table as well. Uh, before we hop into some of the Penn State guys and the freshmen that we're going to talk about, we'll do a little housekeeping, of course. Please go check out the new and improved uh, campusofcanton.com. Uh, there was a lot of time and effort in there between Colin and all those guys like Jarek and those that are you know behind the scenes, but as well as the you know the people that they you know. You know, brought in to help us uh, have a great uh, website. Of course, you have the subscriptions there as well. Plenty of tiers to go by. Uh, we highly recommend the NIL because you can get anything and everything. Of course, you have direct access to us on the Discord. So if you have any direct questions, anything that that is very quick to get a hold of it as well. And you get all the guides. And so, uh, you know, I hear the Debbie guides coming along pretty good with the editing. I think we're getting ready to start with the CFF guide here pretty soon. So I'm very excited to what's to come. Uh, just uh, if you want to give me a quick, uh, you know, a couple seconds, or whatever, Colin, of you know, the, the website and what you think about the guides and stuff like that. And how do you think we've progressed uh, so far here with the new website so far? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this the new website is, is awesome. Um, you know, that's something that had been in the works for a while. And I just think it it brings our brand to a whole nother level. Um, now we're dropping guides to uh, the Devi guide. Um, we have a lot of the profiles written up, just kind of working on some finishing touches, some editing, expecting that to be ready to go on June 1st at this point. Uh, that's when we're probably going to go live with that. Uh, and then we dropped a, uh, a new tool to kind of help you with your drafts. Uh, draft probability tool is developed by Jarek and uh, CFF Jared as well. Um, they, uh, they put it together. So it basically uses our ADP, gives you the probability that this guy is going to be there at your next pick. You're going to put in what pick it is, what pick you have next. Uh, that's been really helpful so far. I've already used that um, in drafts that I have going on right now. So that's our big uh, big new feature. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was shown the the small process before it came to the surface, but I do love the new overlay. And, of course, Jarek just brings it to a whole nother level. Of course, Jared being with the uh, you know with his grad stuff and things like that, he's already into those probabilities and things like that in his class. So the two minds coming together is pretty cool to see. Uh, just one of the many reasons why you guys should go check out the website as well. Um, of course, I just want to point out uh, that we do have a partnership with our buddy Nicholas Ian Allen. Of course, he's at CFB Winning Edge. Um, he wants to you know we want to bring you precise, more in depth uh, stuff when it comes to depth charts power rankings, people starting and stuff like that. And so when I reached out to Nicholas, I was like, hey, man, like I can't trust our lads and some of these other ones. Like I just 
I want to make sure that it's like the best it ever has. And the guy is attention to detail. He's a coach. Um, you know, he just understands the game of college football and loves it to, to the point to where he spends his hard time and effort to really put together these great spreadsheets. So uh, if you can, please go check out his website. It's at patreon.com slash CFB winning edge. I think it's like $5 a month to get instant access to all these on there as well. He does dev charts, power rankings. If you're into like stuff like S&P, like Bill Connolly does, I think he gives almost just as good, if not even better as far as like how they progress. And he also updates it weekly. So if a guy transfers, he's not going to be on the page within a couple of days and also changes the rating. So when you look at a team like we'll throw out their SMU, because you might hear about SMU here a little bit later in the program, but uh, you know, the 45th overall of his power rankings, if a guy moves out, say Rasheed Rice transfers or something like that, it's going to change. So definitely go check that out. I believe it's worth the time and effort and please go support him. Tell him that Brandon and uh, the Future Freshman Podcast sent you and that the C2C guys love his work. So make sure you give him a shout out there as well. And my last but not least, of course, you see on the bottom, you can always use the code CFFU at pricepicks.com. Of course, you can get a match deposit up to $100. So that's like 10 times as much as that you're putting on there. A lot of great stuff coming on. The draft stuff is just finished. Now we're getting ready to uh, look at things like uh, the NBA Finals. You're looking at things like uh, the USFL that's still available, things like that. So there's still stuff that you can do to kind of, you know, use your props on there as well. So go check that out. Use that code CFFU. And we're going to move on. Enough of the housekeeping, Colin. Let's move into segment one. Are you ready, good sir? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. Well, this is right up your alley. And we're going to talk about some Penn State guys again. The, the guy I want to talk to first and foremost, of course, is Drew Aller. So the man is 6'4". He's 232 pounds. At least that's when he was coming in. I uh, believe you know, he might be a little bit better since then. Fourth overall quarterback in the class. Um, he did leave his high school to both the, the regional rounds, both in 221 and 2020. And his NFL comparison is that of Josh Allen. I can really see that, especially in stature, the way that he has the arm on there as well. He is a big uh, body pro style quarterback is what it said in his uh, in his recruiting process and the profile as well. And that he's not afraid to like let it go, but he's very dialed in when it comes to like making that, you know, happen and finding the people that he needs to find on there as well. Uh, they said, you know, he's not tapped out by any means necessary, that his arms continually going to get better. And I think more time at Penn State is going to help him make even smarter decisions. I think that was the only thing on there is that, uh, you know, just even smarter decisions than he already had. But he only had seven interceptions the entire time out of the 514 throws that the man had. So we'll look at some high school stats and we'll kind of like dig into it a little bit more. 4,400 passing yards, which was pretty incredible. 48 passing touchdowns, a three, uh, 317.4 passing yards per game, 300 fast, excuse me, 305 pass completions, 509 passing attempts, and of course the seven interceptions, which I think is a great ratio to have as well. Um, the guys, you know, projected, to, of course, to be a first round starter. Of course, he is a five star prospect, uh, you know, the composite at 0.952, or excuse me, 0.9852. So there's a lot of stuff to be excited for uh, with Drew Aller. I know spring game didn't show as much as we want to, and there was a couple passes that I don't think was his fault, and we can talk about that as well. But Colin, from your standpoint, and of course, seeing you know, a, you know, a Sean Clifford and stuff like that. And we'll, you know, bring this up. Of course, Clifford's back for, I would call it the super senior year as well. Just didn't want to leave. He, he just wants to stay and enjoy that wideout game one more good time. Uh, of course, Sean Clifford, 33 games started total as well. And, uh, you know, having a guy behind him, I don't know how to say his last name. I just call him Christian, but the registered freshman is not looking so hot in camp. So I, I still think Aller's got the chance to kind of move past from the threes into the twos. 
and kind of work his way into there. What's your thoughts on Aller coming in? Uh, were you super excited to you know have him come on? And then what's your thoughts on him versus Clifford in uh, this year versus uh, 2023, where he'll probably take the reins? What's your thoughts? Yeah, so I mean, I love Aller. Super as a Penn State fan, super hyped to to get him. Uh, best quarterback prospect we've been able to get in a long time. Um, He's my number one quarterback in this class. Uh, he's right ahead of Devin Brown from Ohio State. I mean, I think those two guys are both both high end prospects. But you know, like you touched on with Drew Aller, I mean his his comp is Josh Allen, and you know you get you hear that a lot nowadays. Everybody's comping everybody to Josh Allen. Everybody with a big arm who's like kind of mobile. But I think there's a lot of Josh Allen's game in Drew Aller, and. The best part about Aller is he's only been playing the quarterback position for, I believe, three years. Uh, you know, so he still has a lot of room to grow and and just a better understanding of the game. Um, you know, and then his arm strength, that could improve, too, as well. Although he's he's already pretty physically imposing at, you know, almost 6'5", 230. So, I mean, he's got all the tools that you're looking for. And, you know, like you said, seven interceptions on on the year that year, you know, decision-making can improve a little bit. I think sometimes he got a little lucky, um, but overall, man, I, I think he's, he's a high, high end prospect. Yeah. Uh, he definitely reminds me of like the raw version of Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming for sure, which is cool to say because the kids coming out of high school versus coming out of college. And we saw Josh Allen uh, improve immensely in his first couple of years there at Buffalo. And now he's just an absolute stud. I think that Aller can probably learn in the time there at Penn State versus the time in the NFL, and then he'll be more of a polished product for sure. Uh, a lot of people think that he's not so much of a dual threat, and that's okay, but he can scramble to get out of the pocket, which I think is good because he can extend the plays kind of like Josh Allen does well. So that's where it also kind of does the comparison too. Um, so I definitely do see a lot of Josh Allen for sure. Um, and I think, you know, he lives up to his pedigree. Um I was kind of bummed to hear that he didn't win like the, his 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 state championship stuff like that. But you know, in that Ohio, especially in region and Division One, that's a very hard you know uh, you know teams that are out there and stuff like that. But I I feel like he can uh, you know bring Penn State back to prominence and kind of get them in the playoff picture again as well for sure. Um, so let's talk about you know the competition. Of course, John Clifford, he's going to start, and we saw Clifford in the spring game, and we can talk about that a little bit. He just played his first couple of series. Got the pass to my boy Mitchell Tinsley, and then boom, off to the races, sat back down and let the you know you know the backups kind of do the rest. So I, I see it as Sean starting right, but do you think there would come a time? You know, does the Penn State fans start clamoring if if Clifford starts to struggle? Do you think that we see Alar this year? Do you think uh, this is a twenty twenty three and we should just go ahead and grab him and kind of stash him for next year? What's your thoughts there? I think this is a, a twenty twenty three grab and stash kind of a role. I mean, Sean Clifford came back for a reason and that reason is they just the, the quarterback room there is still a little unsettled um christian veyu you know he he looked okay in the one game he played last year it was the michigan state game um you know he, he looked kind of rough in the spring though you know he, he didn't really take the step forward that i was hoping he did and then drew aller also like we talked about pretty raw as a prospect you know only been playing the quarterback position for three years he also looked pretty raw in the spring game he you know he made some typical freshman mistakes you know i expect those to improve um i think value has a pretty strong grasp on the number two right now uh and aller will work with the threes 
by the time the you know, season rolls around, maybe mid-season, Aller's probably splitting a little bit more reps with the twos there. But I think this is Sean's Clifford's job. Like I said, they brought him back for a reason. They have some expectations this year, and none of the other quarterbacks would be able to live up to that. You know, Clifford last year, he started off the year really well, uh, and then he got hurt in the uh, in the Iowa game, and then he looked terrible in the uh, in the Illinois game. Yeah. And that's kind of what everybody remembers is towards the end of the season there. But, I mean, he was probably playing at like 70 75% because the other quarterbacks they had on the roster at that point, like they couldn't even take a snap. You know, yeah. they, the quarterbacks there were just were terrible. The, the depth was not there. So, you know, yeah, he struggled at the end of last year, but he's fine. He's serviceable. You know, you know what you're getting with him. He doesn't have the ceiling of a guy like Aller, but, you know, it's it's consistency. And, and that's something that Franklin values a lot. So I think even towards the end of the year, you know, I'd be surprised if Drew Aller got on the field at all. I think if Sean Clifford goes down, it, it'll be value. Yeah. I was going to ask you, are you concerned about Clifford and the, uh, and the injury type stuff going on? Or do you think he stays full, full healthy this year or, you know, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping he stays healthy. We need him to stay healthy. If, you know, yeah. we're going to do better than, you know, eight and five. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of is the linchpin of this season. Um, cause the other quarterbacks, like I said, they're just, they're just not quite ready. Yeah. I was, we, you know, and when it comes to down to the uh, the draft capital and stuff like that, whether it's C2C or in CFF, especially in a dynasty, you definitely want to be looking at Aller early. He is definitely one of the guys that you take early, just like the Devin Browns or the K Club Nets that are out there for sure. Uh, Colin, would you agree that he's pretty much early first, or at least, you know, depending on what you, your needs are, stuff like that, definitely a first rounder? Or do you think he could slip to the second round possibly? Oh, 100% first rounder for me, uh, especially C2C. Um, and I actually don't have any CFF dynasty leagues, like CFF uh, redraft. I, I just started picking up last year. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, given just, you know, what I know about CFF and everything like that, I mean, I think you could take Aller probably a little bit later in the first, maybe even early second. Um, I like Penn State's scheme. So, you know, with Mike Yersich there. So when Drew Aller does step in in presumably 2023, He's going to have some weapons. He's going to, you know, it's, it's going to be a friendly system. So I think he could produce for you for CFF. But I think ultimately his ceiling is going to be better for the NFL. So that's why I think he's a much better asset in, in a C2C uh, than he would be in a CFF. For sure. He's definitely an NFL prospect for the future, for sure. I will say yeah, he is being highly touted as well. Um, it depends on the run. Like if the QBs are coming off the board quick in your first round, um, you kind of just go with the flow. But it also depends on team needs and in your dynasty and stuff like that. So I uh, definitely think he stays in the first. He doesn't slip to the second as well. And a great segue because you talked about weapons. And there's a reason why Drew Aller is being so highly recruited. It's because he has weapons that are coming along with him. And we will start with Caden Saunders who's the four-star prospect. Uh, he is a 0 0.9770 sports composite grade for 24-7 sports. The kid is 5'10", 172 pounds, coming into the university. He is the seventh overall wide receiver in the 22 class. Uh, of course, he competed in track and field. Uh, he also was a D1 baseball, but opted out to concentrate on football directly. So he is a multi-athlete guy as well and ran 11.34 in the 100 yards as well. Uh, his comparison would be a Tyler Lockett uh, as far as speedy as well. Uh, so the guy shows speed. He's verified uh, in combine settings as well as on the track. So that 
you know, moves in there. We've seen it time and time again where these kids, if they, I think I saw a stat on Twitter the other day, it's where like 70% of them have either done track or baseball or different sports. And it's, you know, helped them, you know, kind of get to where they want to get as well versus just one dimensional playing football and football only as well. And so he has, you know, quick speed elusiveness. He's allowed to excel after the catch. Uh, he can play in any system and that's what it's perfect for Penn state They, you know, everyone's claiming like, okay, as long as that, you know, Tinsley's here for the year, we also have Parker Washington. So we have the two big outside guys and then we got KSL coming in. So it's like, you know, we think that Caden Saunders is going to take over the place of KSL, but that doesn't mean, you know, anything compared to, you know, where the kid can just go out and any position in the wide receiver and kind of get it done too. Uh, he's just a dangerous playmaker. Um, and he, he probably might make an impact of special teams. Uh, we did see him a little bit in the spring game. Uh, what was your thoughts? And uh, I know he was on there shortly, but you know, Parker Washington didn't get a chance to play. I don't know whether it's injury or they're just trying to keep him healthy or whatever, but it gave some opportunities to some of these other guys. So we'll talk about Saunders here for a second. Uh, what, what was your thoughts just watching him kind of just eye tests and things like that in particular? Yeah, so you said he didn't play a ton in the spring game here. He got some some snaps, um, caught a pass or two, you know, so he, he looked all right out there. Um, Penn State does have a pretty deep wide receiver room right now. It's probably the strength of the offense at this point. Um, so I don't think he'll get a ton of time here this year. Um, you know, and he is he does have some things he needs to work on um, as a route runner. You know, he has high end change of direction skills, very good footwork. He uses some different release moves, but he can get a little lazy at times. So he just needs to clean that up a little bit. Um, and, and he lets the ball into his body a little bit too much. Uh, you know, I'd like mm -hmm. to see him like snatch it with his hands. So, you know, clean up those two things, sit for a year, work on that. Um, Mitchell Tinsley will be off to the NFL next year, most likely, uh, you know, at, at this point. Um, and then Parker Washington could leave as well next year. That's going to open up some opportunity in 2023. And they don't really have uh, a proven option like Caden Saunders on this roster, a, you know, a legitimate right. speed guy, twitchy, um, probably going to be slot only. I don't, especially at 172 pounds. I don't know if I see him working too much on the outside. Um, and they also have a couple other guys on the outside um, that are, that are showing out well, that are a little bit younger. So, you know, he's probably going to be in the slot there, but I think like I said next year, 2023, he can step in, you know, cleans up one or two things and, and he could have a really nice ceiling. Absolutely. And he's got the pedigree and they're, you know, claiming that he could easily become a John Hahn Dotson versus getting into the first round and making a name for himself as well as um, his high school stats. We can bring it up, but it's uh, he didn't play a lot in the uh, one just because of one COVID two, uh, just, you know, being able to kind of sit out and kind of wait on there as well. But uh, it's on the screen for the on YouTube. If not, uh, just know that. He was only able to kind of accumulate about five receiving touchdowns, but he did have 11 total touchdowns. So that's a lot to special teams. He did have 362 receiving yards, and he did do about 30.2 uh, receiving yards per game, but it's only as far as I believe one season, my concern as far as what Max Press was able to kind of accumulate. So he's definitely more than what his high school stats that we're given is allowed to say for sure as well. So let's bring up another guy that was also recruited by Penn State, and that is Mr. Anthony Ivey. He is also a four-star prospect and is 24-7 sports grade of 0.9149. This uh, He is six feet and 190 pounds. He's the 32nd overall wide receiver in the 22 class. Uh, some accolades, he did play in the 22-22 uh, Polynesian Bowl, which is pretty great. Uh, so here's the differences between Saunders and, and Ivy. Uh, you know, Ivy has a great frame, uh, an elite size and strength. Uh, he's a polished receiver, which is pretty great on there as well. Uh, 
he tracks the ball well. He's elusive, uh, good body control, which I think is really good. Uh, and he's willing to catch the ball in traffic, but that also leads to possible injuries and stuff like that as well. Uh, the difference is he has to add strength to be six foot and one ninety. He he looks a little bit more lengthy versus a you know a very built type of wide receiver as well. Uh, they still think he's going to be a multi-year starter. And, of course, he chose, you know, a great top 10 program like Penn State. Uh, right now he has a day three potential, uh, but that could also grow. So, I mean, just like guys like uh, Parker Washington, who will probably be sought out, you know, in you know, first three days of the draft, same thing with KSL. If he breaks out, you know, once uh, Tinsley and, and Washington leaves, things like that. Uh, he's got the option to kind of go with it. Uh, and his high school stats were pretty impressive too. 2,043 uh, receiving yards, 18.2 average receiving yards, 112 catches. He was 70.4 receiving yards per game. He had 21 receiving touchdowns and 24 total touchdowns. So he did get a few that came back on punts or kicking team as well. So he does have those tangibles as well. Um, so what were your thoughts on Ivy? Uh, you know, when he was coming into Penn State, uh, I didn't see too much on the uh, spring game on him. I don't know if he's in on campus or not. I'll let you kind of answer that as well. But he definitely has the tangibles to kind of move up, just like Saunders as like this next wave, kind of like Ohio State has with their guys too, just next people up, next people up. But I still think Ivy has a place in this offense. What's your thoughts on Ivy? And, you know, what what do you think? Yeah, so with Ivy, uh, he's not an early enrollee, so he's not in there this spring. Uh, okay. um, so that puts him a little bit behind the eight ball, especially when – you know, Caden Saunders is on campus already. He's making a little bit of an impact. Um, there's, they have another guy, um, Omari Evans. Um, he's yeah. on campus. He's making a bit of an impact as well. You know, he had some flashes in the spring game. Um, he'll probably be a little bit more special teams guy than um, earning any sort of a receiving role, at least this year. But with Ivy, you know, I, I like Ivy a lot. He's um, he, he's from the area that I live in right now, Manheim Township. Uh, go cool. Blue Streaks. All right. <laughs> um so, you know, it's awesome to see him, you know, get to Penn State, get at a high level cool. uh, power five school. Um, he'll need to add a little bit of weight. But, I, you know, I think he's versatile. You know, he returns kicks, played inside, outside, used on screens, over the top. You know, he was he, name it and he did it. Uh, you know, that's he, he played really well, especially in this area here. Um, I think he uses double moves really well. You know, he's a good route runner. Um I think his biggest thing is he has average change of direction skills right now. You know, he, he looks a little stiff um, and he body catches the ball a little bit too often too. So he's got to clean those two things up. But like I said, I don't think he's really going to get on the field too much this year, especially not enrolling early. So another guy who probably more of a look towards 2023. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely, you know, some chances to improve and we'll kind of move into you know, the depth chart here as well. So I gave you a little whiteout action there for the YouTube people so they can see the whiteout game on there as well and, and let uh, Colin just bask in the Penn State glory and stuff Man, like it's, that. It's been a while since I've been to a whiteout yeah. game. I got to go back. <laughs> yeah, one of my best friends here in town, he's a, he, he's a trainer, but he also he went to Penn State, and that's where he's there. So uh, the last time we watched Penn State together, they did not win the whiteout game. So I'm not allowed to watch during the whiteout game when I'm there. <laughs> I told him, I was like, we could have watched the Carolina game. And he just, no, we have to watch the wide. I was like, okay, but no, <laughs> it is what it is. All right. So let's check out, um, you know, some of this depth chart and, you know, we'll have some armor mentions. There's some guys that we, uh, we can bring up with the spring game as well. So Mitchell Tinsley, let's talk beforehand. Cause ahead of time, me and Colin were offering sense of the, you know, of the fence and we might still be for the most part, but I believe, you know, Mitchell Tinsley coming in, was going to be a guy that's going to be like the standout. He's going to be the wide receiver one. Now, 
I've changed, you know, I still think because he's in the X and he's showing out in spring game that he is living up to that standard. So I do feel like I've been vindicated a little bit by planting my flag earlier on Mitchell Tinsley. And I know guys like Mike and then, of course, Hannah being from Western Kentucky, we're all big on Mitchell Tinsley and stuff like that. But I am very excited to see what he was able to do. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley coming from Western Kentucky, of course, had a lights out even with Jared Stearns being there, he did have 313.2 fantasy points, 22.4 fantasy points per game. Uh, of course, he you know wanted to prove his medal in the Power of Five, so he is projected out of the X. Um, he showed out well in the spring game. He has started 23 total games. Of course, that was with Western Kentucky, but now he has the opportunity. We do see Parker Washington return. He comes back as the veteran. He's not too shabby. I mean, he still had 170.6 fantasy points. He averaged 13.1 per game, which is still pretty solid if you're looking for a good like flex player for CFF or if you're looking for someone to play out the flex uh, You know, in your C2C leagues. I still think that's really good. He is projected in the Y. Um, he's started 16 games, so he has what it starts there. So do you th- is Sean Clifford even capable of holding out these two? We still have KL, you know, KLS we got to talk about here in a second, but – do you think he can do two, or is one of these guys just going to kind of outsee the other? What's, what's your thoughts there as far as the lineup before we get into some of the you know the freshmen we're talking about? Sure. Yeah. So uh, first, I mean, you said we were on the opposite side of the fence at first, and you know, it's not like I thought Mitchell Tinsley was bad. I thought he was just going to take right. a little bit of time to ramp up. Coming from you know, he went from a community college for two years, then to Western Kentucky, now to a Power Five level. Um, you know, I thought it would take him a little bit of time to get up to the depth chart. I thought by the time the season rolled around, he'd probably be starting. But, right. man, he's, he's showed out this spring. The coaching staff keeps raving about him. Uh, it sounds like he's going to have a big role this year. Um, you know, so I, I've come around a lot more on on Tinsley. Uh, I thought probably by about mid-year he would have overtaken Keandre Lambert-Smith for the number two guy. But it yeah. sounds like he's going to do it even before that. So I like Tinsley a lot. I like Parker Washington. He, like you said, he's the veteran of the room. He's been in this system for a year. Um, he'll probably play, you know, like you said, out in the Y, but I, they'll probably move him around a little bit. He's, yeah. he's pretty versatile. Um, so I think he'll probably lead the room overall in receptions and yards, but I think there's a good chance Mitchell Tinsley leads this team in touchdowns. Um, you know, he's probably the best red zone threat that they have, especially out of the wide receivers right now. Yeah. He's so, explosive. yeah. So I, I think Sean Clifford in this offense, could they support two fantasy relevant wide receivers? Yes. If they're going to support two fantasy relevant wide receivers, though, they're probably going to be more in that wide receiver three range. Um, You know, I think the most likely outcome, though, Parker Washington, you know, high end wide receiver three flirts with wide receiver two numbers. And then you got Mitchell Tinsley, who's probably more in the wide receiver four range, but has some big weeks where, you know, he can get up into that wide receiver two range as well. But Ultimately, I think those are the two guys that you're going to want. Yeah, I, I don't ever think that Mitchell Tinsley is going to be a 22.4 guy like he was at Western Kentucky. Let's face it, Western Kentucky just puts <laughs> out ridiculous numbers, and they're going to again this year. That's why we're all trying to figure out who's going to be the quarterback and who's going to be the top wide receivers and stuff like that. But I still think that Tinsley can get up to where we're probably looking at 15, 16 fantasy points per game. I think that's where he yeah. averages out. And I think that Parker Washington will come up from 13, pretty close to maybe 14, you know, fantasy points per game. I even see a, a you know, slight, I would say just a little bit of a bump for Kondre Lambert-Smith. He, he's, he did 104.1, which is really good being a 
essentially, you know, the wide receivers three, because you did have Jahan Dotson that was just destroyed, you know, last year as well. Uh, but, you know, 8.01 per game is not bad. It's just not a startable, you know what I'm saying? But it is a good stash piece. And I definitely would stash KS uh, or KLS, especially. I don't know if he goes this year. He's a junior. I see. I could see Parker Washington going because of the draft stock and stuff like that. But I think if KLS gave it one more good year as a senior, I think he could really show out, kind of, kind of being the veteran like Parker Washington is this year as well. Um, I, of course, I didn't want to leave out the the tight end. We got Britton Strange, the junior as well. He's running with the ones in the spring game, as you you know noted in the notes, and he is a projected starter for the Nittany Lions. However, and he has started 18 games, so there's a little bit more of a veteran feel to to Strange as well. Uh, I think you're saying off camera that the other tight end might be doing some stuff. So do you want to speak on that a little bit? And then we'll kind of go into the honorable mentions. Yeah. So they have a, another guy who he's listed as a tight end officially in the depth chart, but he's more of like an offensive weapon type of a piece. You know, they move him at, at tight end. They can split him out a little bit. They use him in the backfield. Um, it's Tyler Warren. He's number 44. So if that tells you kind of like what oh, role wow. he's going to be looking at. What a weird um, number. Yes, it's weird number, but so he's been getting a, a lot of work with the ones too. Um, they've been kind of splitting Strange and and Warren, um, but I think Strange ultimately will end up like out snapping Warren as far as the you know tight end snaps go. Uh, but Warren is going to be just involved enough that it's going to frustrate anybody looking for regular routine production from Brett and Strange. I think. Yeah. Uh, so let's look into the honorable mentions, uh, and we'll kind of bring up some of the notes that we have from the spring game. Uh, between the two sophomores, Jaden Dodden, and then uh, I'm going to say it's Malik. What is? How do you pronounce his last name? Did you ever give it a go? Yeah, yeah Mega. <laughs> Mega. Okay, that's even better. Just take out the I on there as well. Yep. So between yeah, Megan and take out the I would be, yeah. be way easier. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> between uh, Dotton and Mega, uh, you did see where you thought Mega probably had the better – you know, show out and you project him to kind of be more of the uh, wide receiver for uh, what you see in mega versus like Dotton. And, and we'll, we'll talk about our guy, Trey Wallace, who got some of the look there as well as a redshirt freshman too. So what was your thoughts about the spring game between these three guys? Yeah. So mega has been uh, working with the twos, you know, got a little bit of work with the ones there, especially with Parker Washington being out. Um, and he looks good. He looks like the number four guy there. He's, you know, going up, skying up, going and getting the ball. So he's probably more of a Tinsley replacement, you know, um, than than he would be like a Parker Washington or anything like that. But, you know, he's been looking good. Uh, He's a guy that they they like there. They've been talking him up um, this spring too. Um, And, you know, so so he'll probably look at the number four role. Jaden Dotton um, has just been consistent, kind of a steady Eddie type of a guy, not really flashing, but – he doesn't really make mistakes, catches the ball. He's dependable. Um, so, you know, I think he'll probably end up, you know, more in the Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert Smith type of a backup role there. Gotcha. Um, and you did see some Trey Wallace, or I think he goes by his something Wallace <laughs> the third, but we'll just call him Trey Wallace for the purposes of the podcast. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah. So yeah, Harrison Wallace, the third is his name. Everybody just calls him Trey Wallace. Um, He was getting a lot of buzz in the spring. He was working with the twos. Uh, He had a really nice catch in this game. He just skies up and over the defensive back, um, which Penn State has some good defensive backs this year. Um, So we went up and over him, you know, hauled in a nice catch there. So this wide receiver room is, is deep. Um, You know, they have, they have a lot of talent here which is why I was saying, you know, you might want to temper some expectations a little bit for, for your guys like um, Saunders, Ivy, even Amari Evans this year coming in as freshmen. Um, 
because they'll have their work cut out for them earning a role this year. But those guys are all yeah. a lot more, you know, explosive than, than some of these other guys. So I think Mega, um, Dotton, and, and Wallace will all be be solid depth pieces. And if there's an injury that happens, you know, I think those guys could step in and and you can count on them for some production. For sure. All right. So, you know, now that we had the breakdown of the, the, the depth chart there of wide receivers, seeing all the talent and uh, knowing that, you know, Saunders is probably gonna have to wait a little bit. Where are you comfortable taking him in C2C? Uh, you know, as far as like, you know, I, the, the pedigree is there. The kid's going to be a, a draft pick. It just sounds like he's going to probably need one, maybe one and a half, possibly two years total to really come into his own and kind of be in the standout in this in this room just because of all the talent around him. What's your what's your thoughts? you know, when you're going to a C2C draft when it comes to, to Saunders. So I, I like Saunders, the player, a lot. Um, okay. One thing that I've been kind of subscribing to recently is is Austin uh, Nace, another member here at, at Camps of Canton. His, uh, his year one zero mm-hmm. um, idea uh, where, you know, if they don't produce, you know, X, Y, and Z stats, and, and the threshold's pretty low. Uh, if they don't produce certain numbers as a fresh, freshman, it's hard to see them earning too much of a role after that. And Caden Saunders is a candidate for a year one zero. Yeah. Um, so that knocks him down a little bit in my rankings, but, you know, I think he still has a high end ceiling that you're not seeing from a lot of these other players. You know, they, they comp him to Tyler Lockett. And I think that's, that's a pretty reasonable comp there. Yeah. Um, plus he's, he's so explosive too. He's so quick um, that if he could develop some of the other technical aspects of the game, you know, it, you can kind of write off maybe a lack of production this year, given how deep that room is and, you know, the uh, uh, development that he needs that even if he doesn't produce anything this year, you can still confidently project him to have some sort of an NFL future. So, uh, you know, C2C wise, I'm probably looking at him mid rounds, like maybe 10 to 12 ish. Um, That's kind of where I start to look at some of the, the freshmen that aren't, you know, the high end, five-star guys like that so probably yeah. in that range yeah when i when i hear that like c2c when i hear like mid rounds and stuff like that for me like in the cff thing i'm like okay he definitely shouldn't be in the first probably three rounds but you could probably get a good value at the top of the fourth maybe the bottom mm-hmm. of the third it just kind of depends on the run like i said the team needs and stuff like that so i'd definitely say saunders would be third what's your thoughts on uh ivy do you think he's even worth possible do you take him in the late rounds of like uh round, you know 30 or whatever it is that you guys do at C2C. Cause I, I would, I definitely would you know, look at Ivy maybe in like the later rounds. Cause you know, depending on your league, like we have like 16 something rounds as far as like freshmen and, and supplemental. So it's like, I definitely would take a swing at him, especially if he falls and, and gains value. What's your thoughts there on Ivy as far as just a guy, you know, that could, that you could draft. Yeah. I mean, I think you could take a swing on him. I probably wouldn't take him, you know, early, you know, you're probably looking right. at him, like you said, like around 30 to 45, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Definitely take a shot at him because he's a four-star guy. He's going to a school like Penn state, that room will clear out a little bit. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there's an opportunity for him. Um, I'm not taking him too, too early though. You know, he's kind of like an end of, end of the bench roster stash kind of a guy. Yeah. I think he's a wait and see for sure. I just don't think that he would make it past waivers. So I'd rather grab him in the late rounds and stuff like that, just so you have him stash him, especially if you got the depth, just don't clog up your rosters. As we say, you know, on the past episodes, don't, don't clog it up. But if you see the need there and you think that the cream is going to rise to the crop, why not take a shot on Ivy for sure as well. Um, let's move on. So I want to, you know, leave it here. So let's talk a little bit more about the spring game stuff. And I want to talk a little bit about the running back room. So of course, 
our boy Nicholas Singleton. He was on the very first episode. He gets a lot of the love. Uh, I know a certain somebody uh, that traded for the 101 in our dynasty just because they're going to probably take Singleton. But after seeing this, this is uh, I'm not saying it's alarming at all. And, you know, I, I get it. Kayvon Lee is the uh, the veteran coming back. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm kind of worried about the Allen, you know, Katron Allen, you know, splitting with Singleton just because I see so much of the potential and Singleton's just lights out when it comes to statistics, his stats, you know, his build and stuff like that. The dude's an absolute stud. He reminds me a lot of the Saquons and the Miles Sanders and stuff like that. Just these stud running backs that have made their way to the NFL. Do you think that all gets, you know, sorted out, you know, as the, as we get towards the summer, or do you think that literally this might be an actual, a wait year for Singleton. And then we might see the Kayvon Lee show this year. What are you, what are you thinking, man? Yeah. So like you said, Kayvon Lee, the veteran in the room, you know, the other two guys are freshmen. Um, Noah Kane, the other guy that got a lot of work last year between that split with Lee, he's in LSU now. So, right. uh, and Franklin and his staff are guys that tend to lean on veterans early. So Kevon Lee will probably get the air quote starts at the, at least, you know, week one, week two kind of a thing. But we know Kevon Lee is not it. He's a plotter. No. He's going to get you three yards in a cloud of dust. Right. Um, so I don't think it's going to take too long for Singleton and Allen to both overtake uh, Kevon Lee. Allen got the first reps with the twos and then Singleton followed immediately afterwards. But both of these guys have been getting a ton of hype. Every time they ask about the running backs or anytime they ask about freshmen or anything like that, Franklin does not miss a chance to hype both of these guys up. So I think Singleton brings that 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 lightning, that just speed, that home run ability from anywhere on the field that Katron Allen doesn't. So I think for that reason, Singleton's role is a little bit more secure than Katron yeah. Allen. Katron Allen, Kevon Lee, kind of in the same mold. I like Allen better overall, but those two guys will probably cannibalize each other. Singleton will have his role. But ultimately, I think at least for the first half of the year, this is just going to be kind of a frustrating three-headed committee. Um, unless Singleton can just, you know, um, Travion Henderson it and just That's blow up bring in up. his yeah. one game. This and is what I see. That's what I'm hands. hoping is like the max is like we see a Henderson moment where Singleton just bust out and they're like, well, we got our guy so everyone else can just take the second reps. That's what I'm really hoping for. <laughs> but uh, – you know, I understand, you know, it's it's just kind of disappointing. I was hoping that Singleton was, but, you know, you can't expect every freshman to start year one either yeah, at the same exactly. time. Uh, that's cool that you brought it up because Henderson's my thought process is that Singleton would get it. And you saw, uh, you did say something about Singleton to get some looks in the, uh, you know, the catching mm -hmm. as well. So it sounds like Singleton is being used as a pass catching back. And that's great to see too, that he's doing as well, but he did get a good amount of work. So that's good to see as well. Um so, you know, with that being out the way, uh, you know, what's your what's your thoughts on? I know you said the tight ends and stuff like that. So uh, we kind of kind of squared away. So we got the first four wide receivers that we're thinking this year. We're definitely thinking that, you know, Singleton still has a shot. Do you does that at all like the league situation? stuff? Like, does it scare you away from Singleton as like a 101 or a 102 or 103 prospect? Or you're still sticking with it because you just think it's like we're hoping that the Henderson moment's going to happen. And then just boom, he's off to the races. Yeah, I don't, this shouldn't really scare you away too much um, from Singleton. I mean, I would still take him, you know, 101, 103, like very early first. Um, yeah. I'd be looking at Singleton there. I mean, you know, there was a lot of hype around Singleton because everybody saw how flashy he was. He made a huge improvement between his junior and senior year, um, you know, and then he also looked good in 
think it was the Army All-American game, not the Under Armour. Whichever All-American game he was in, he looked yeah. good. Um, so, the, you know, the hype kind of built up for him, but there was always kind of the expectation that, hey, you know, Katron Allen's coming in too. He's IMG Academy. He's a four-star guy in yeah. his own right. He's talented. He's not as explosive as Singleton, but there's enough guys there that, uh, you know, I was a little bit worried about the year, at least the start of the year, and yeah. tempered expectations on Singleton. Um, I think by the end of the year, though, he's probably leading that committee. I think I think it'll probably still be a committee at that point, but he'll probably be leading it again, unless he gets like that huge Travion Henderson moment where he just busts off an 80 yard right. run and then ends up with, you know, 150 yards in that game. And they just he, they, he forces their hand. So, I mean, that's in his range of outcomes. I would just temper year one expectations a little bit. I got you. So if you didn't take Singleton at the one on one, who would be like one, maybe two guys that you'd want to take like right now, if you had to, you know, do a startup for C2C or because it's going to be the same. The first round's the same in CFF, honestly, because you're looking at the potential for the future. So what what do you think as far as guys that you take? Would it be a Devin Brown or would it be, you know, a Drew Aller? Who, who are you taking? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the picks one through three for me would probably be in some order, depending on team needs. Um, you know, Singleton, Drew Aller, Devin Brown. I mean, Devin yeah. Brown going to be going to Ohio State. You know, he's going to have to consistently fight off some other five-star and other high-end recruits, but yeah. extremely talented. And if he gets that start, he can be a, a, a QB1 in CFF and has that high-end NFL draft potential. So, yeah. you know, he's he's right up there as well. Like I touched on with Drew Aller. I think that Mike Yurchich's system is, if he gets like an actual quarterback in there and not – game manager Sean Clifford. Right. I think this offense could really take off. And I think you could see some really good numbers from Aller. Uh, I think he he has the potential to unlock that. So I think he's worthy of that consideration too. And then Singleton as well, like I said, with with that home run ability, you know, it, it might always be a little bit of a frustrating committee with Allen, but I think I can see him leading for the most part. And they got to get the offensive line squared away, but this yeah. – team has been lacking a running game they want to run the ball they want to be able to run the ball and i think singleton will give them the ability to do that yes we all miss the days of the saquons and the miles sanders <laughs> busting busting out massive rounds but i think that's coming back between aller saunders and, and singleton you know it's one heck of a class and now you got these great role players like ivy and a few of the others that are there so definitely penn state's one to watch out for i'm definitely excited for the cff standpoint to see in penn state coming back into more of just one player here or there to see multiples coming out of prominence and actually enjoying like a good NFL career as well. All right, Colin, are you ready for my specialty, which is the big fish, small pond, my friend? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. So I have Mr. RJ Maryland. He is a four star tight end. He is a 0.8937 uh, composite. He has committed to SMU. He is 6'3, 205 pounds. And we'll talk about that, but he is the 18th overall tight end in the 22 class. Did run track. He did do an 11.33 100. Uh, he did the 200 yard, 400 yard. Um, he did get uh, the, I believe it's the Texas, it's the District Four, however, but it's the co offensive player of the year uh, as a senior. And of course, he was a first team selection as tight end as a junior. Uh, he was at South Lake Carroll, which is a great team. There's a lot of good names that have come out of South Lake as well. My cool thing that I found out when doing the research is that his connection is his father is Russell Maryland. He was the number one draft pick overall uh, out of Miami. Uh, played 10 seasons in the NFL. Of course, he played for the Cowboys, Raiders, and Packers. Um, and then here's a great one. He chose SMU, but he had a lot of great offers, especially for Power 5 offers. So guys like Boston College, Miami, Colorado, 
Duke, Georgia Tech, Kansas State, Michigan State, Ole Miss, which is pretty enticing considering they have Trig now as well. Purdue, which is also has also produced great tight ends of you know past and present. So Tennessee, uh, Virginia Tech, and of course Wisconsin, which was a Jake Ferguson type school, and he did pretty well too. So seeing that and then seeing his stats, 1,839 total receiving yards, 20.0 average receiving yards per game, 92 catches, 27 receiving touchdowns. So the kid got busy. Um, I think the only, you know, knack on him and we'll, we'll talk about it in the notes, but he's definitely, uh, he's definitely got some room to grow, but as far as tangibles and what he's capable of doing and what I saw on tape, this kid is fantastic, man. And then having the pedigree in the background of his father playing in the league and having that type of knowledge to sit down and talk to about and prepping yourself as well. Um, that's pretty fantastic. Uh, have you had a chance to look into RJ Maryland or did you, uh, you know, have you guys, you know, ran into him when you guys were doing some of the C2C stuff or was he just a guy that kind of, like I said, just kind of goes into the background? I know. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely checked him out. Um, you know, not quite as in depth as some of the other guys, cause we don't hit tight end quite as hard there. We didn't have that many tight ends included in the freshman and, and supplemental guide that we did. He wasn't one of the ones that made the cut. Um, but I mean, it doesn't mean he's not talented. You know, anytime you are, the co-offensive player of the year uh, coming from South Lake Carroll. Like that's a big school. Yep. Um, you know, that's, that could kind of make you stand up and take notice. I think, you know, he's kind of an oversized receiver, which is a good thing for, you know, a fantasy perspective. You know, he's, he's a big guy. He catches the ball. Well, he moves well, um, like you, you know, touched on his track back around there. Uh, so I think he can be an offensive weapon on that side of things. So I think he's probably more valuable for for CFF than he is for C2C. You know, as as 205 pounds as a tight end, don't know how much NFL potential there is there. I mean, he's got to bulk up 40 pounds to kind of hit that like minimum what weight you're looking for for a fresh or for a NFL tight end. But yeah. like I say, you know, oversized receiver, that's a good thing for production in college. Uh, SMU has some guys there, but in the receiving game, but you know, they're going to be losing a lot of them. Um, so, uh, you know, he's going to have an opportunity, I think probably as soon as next year to earn some significant playing time. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we look at CFF, I look at opportunity and this screams opportunity and we'll kind of go down. So Ben Redding is the senior. He's played 46 games, but he's only started one time. Uh, Nolan Matthew Harris had the most starts behind Grant Calcutta, who came back, you know, uh, following his hiatus. And so we're looking for the new, I wouldn't say a new Calcutta, but we're looking for the same type of production, at least, you know, the guy that's getting the targets and the looks and being decent because, you know, there is a resurgence of tight end at CFF. However, it's going to take a couple of years to really establish them as like the guys that you want to take, like a Bowers or a Meyer and stuff like that. But uh, RJ Maryland has the potential. I completely agree. The guy needs to be at least 230 pounds to make a really big difference at tight end, at least 230. I think 240, 250 would be better. However, I don't want him to kind of slow down, you know, his his receiving skills. So I think a solid 230 range would be great. Uh, and then they only have Simon Gonzalez, the junior. He's only played six games, but has never started. So what I'm getting at is RJ Mellon is the highest rated recruit for this year's SMU recruiting class, which is pretty awesome. Uh, the highest composite of any of the tight ends that's on the roster. Uh you know, the ties in with his dad and the NFL pedig the pedigree there and the recruiting aspect that he has. Uh, this is an easy tight end room that I think he could possibly take over. Do I think he could do it all in year one? No, but I think he's going to get some looks, uh, especially probably mid-season or so. I think he's probably going to kind of start climbing in there. He's definitely worth, uh, you know, a guy to grab on waivers if you're doing redraft. 
But in Dynasty, I think we should take him in later rounds. I think it's important that, you know, just like a uh, Ivy, that you just don't want to leave him on waivers just because of the opportunity. Because someone's going to be out there and, and just like we are, you know, looking at him. And like this guy has a lot of opportunities. And there's a lot of bright minds in the CFF space. So I know good and well that they're probably not going to leave them to waivers either. So it's very important that, you know, we snatch him and do it as well. Am I saying that you need to take him in the first 10 rounds? Absolutely not. A lot of people are going to forget about it. That's why it's big fish, small pond. But that's why I'm saying do the circle, do the star beside it, you know, you know, look into the tape and stuff like that. I'm just saying the road to starting position is a lot easier versus some of these other tight ends have in the room. You know, we just talked about Brent Strange and how he's going to have to probably compete, you know, for some looks there, but just with the ones, I don't see Maryland having that issue, at least by the end of the season, if not early 2023. Are you in consensus with that? Uh, or do you think SMU will, can be a candidate for a, uh, I mean, transfer portals everywhere, but do you think, you know, SMU would look for veteran versus just, you know, kind of coaching Maryland up basically. Yeah. I mean, with the transfer portal nowadays, you never know exactly who's going to bring somebody in. And, you know, you touched on um, Nolan Matthews Harris. He's a senior. Um, Ben Redding, also a senior too. Uh, So like those guys probably gone after this year. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what their COVID eligibility looks like, but that, that tight end room could really thin out after this year. So I could see them potentially bringing in a veteran guy on, you know, from maybe from a, a smaller G5 school, you right. know, they bring in somebody like that. But I don't think that necessarily is a bad thing for RJ Maryland because, you know, not only does the tight end room clear out, but the wide receiver room clears out too. You know, you got Rasheed Rice, Joshua Moore, um, probably the two top guys in that room this year. They're both going to be gone as well. So there's going to be a lot of receiving opportunity for him as early as 2023. Uh, and that's where he makes his hay as a receiver. So I think he'll have some options there. So, yeah, I'm absolutely on board with him being like a late and stash. And, you know, Rhett, Rhett Lashley uses the tight ends pretty well, too. So he does. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on board with that. Yes, just the it's the perfect storm between Lashley, the SMU, the the opportunity, these guys being seniors and juniors and you know graduating out or just out of eligibility and stuff like that. Just the writing's on the wall. So people pay attention to RJ Maryland, circle them on there, write them down, maybe take a late flyer of him and late in your CFF drafts or late into your C2C. I don't think it's gonna hurt at all, especially if you only have to wait on him, maybe even only half a year or so. So definitely worth the investment for sure. But Colin, I want to thank you for coming on, man. It was a pleasure having you. Is there something that you want to tell the audience or if you want to give us any of the projects and behind the scenes that we're working on there at Campus of Canton and stuff you got coming up, man? Yeah, I mean, just first thing I'd want to plug, you know, especially with this show is is our freshman supplemental guide. You know, we have a a breakdown of a ton of freshmen here. It's available for for $20 on the site. Or if you're a um, yearly scholarship or yearly NIL member, you get that for free. Uh, so, you know, sign up, you can get that for free. It, it'll definitely help you with your freshman drafts. Um, and then beyond that, you know, just keep an eye out for the, for the other two guides that we have coming out the Devi guide. Uh, you know, if you're a Devi guy, if you're an NFL guy or C2C as well. Uh, and then the CFF guide that you guys are going to be cranking out, you know, yep. I've had a, I, I'm in, fortunate enough to be, uh, in the, uh, CFF in the chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm fortunate enough to be in the CFF chat and man, like you guys, the, the plans you guys have for that guide, it's, it's going to be awesome. Uh, well worth it. So, yeah, check out the guides that we have coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you want to break down real quick the the prices, because I forget, maybe maybe yeah, better. Sure. Well, the prices for the subscriptions real quick. <laughs> yeah, sure. So we offer uh, monthly or yearly. Um, monthly, 
$299 for the walk-on, $499 for scholarship, $799 for the NIL. Uh, NIL gets you access to a, a private Discord channel um, just exclusively with us founders and other NIL members. So it's a lot more direct access because we have, you know, 350 some ish members in the discord. Yeah. So it it grows by the day. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people in there. We always do our best to answer questions, but you know, this gives you a little bit more direct access to us. Um, and, and, you know, there's some other perks with that too. Most of them come with the yearly, the NIL yearly too. You know, we, uh, we, we can break down your team, schedule calls, um, you get access first access to all of the new tools. So like I touched, touched on with the, uh, the draft probability tool, they yeah. were testing that out. They helped us out with that. Um, and then, you know, for the scholarship um, one, you get access to pr- all of our tools at the site, all of the rankings, everything like that. Um, you get access to the, the freshman guide for free as well um, for the yearly. Uh, and then the, the walk on, you know, 299, pretty, you know, cheap, just a cup of coffee. Uh, we're twenty nine ninety nine a year. Um, you get access to a lot of our stuff, a lot of our great tools, a lot of our rankings. Uh, the only thing really that that's missing from the rankings is you know we have our, our exclusive freshman rankings for the uh, scholarship tier, but you know you still get plenty of st- uh, stuff with the uh, the walk on tier. We're always adding more stuff too. Yeah, uh, it, it's ever changing, and I can be the first to tell you whether I'm in the NIL chat or just in the you know in our in our Slack and stuff like that. We're we're all constantly coming up with, with cool stuff. And there's also, you know, things that works and just stuff that we're talking out and trying to figure out what's going to come up next. So uh, definitely worth the price of admission, regardless of which one that you choose. Um, but we highly recommend you check it out for sure. Um, of course, I'm Brandon Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. Uh, I will say, you know, we're only less than three months out. So I am bringing back the CFFU podcast starting week one. I don't do that week zero stuff. I like to sit back and enjoy <laughs> week zero. But uh, for week one, definitely we'll be back. Of course, we'll have the price picks the props we're going to have some dfs stuff and things like that so if you're looking to add to your bankroll this year for cff um we're definitely going to be ready to go and i'm excited to kind of bring that now to the c2c uh you know know, platform as far as the the podcast and stuff that so i'm very stoked there and of course um here in the next i would say probably next month or so we are going to transition to the 2023 class so we're going to be talking about you know the great and wonderful Arch Manning. So <laughs> we'll probably have a whole episode on him and have a few guys on. So be looking out for that as well. But until then, uh, you know, be good to one another and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.